Welcome to the Quantum Leopard podcast. Uh, Quantum Leopard is a multi-award winning, pay what you like, no punching down, no picking on the audience, gender balance booking, central London Saturday night of lovely comedy, and this is its podcast. Every episode will have a recording of a real live set from one of our nights and an interview with the comedy brain behind it. Uh, we have uh, videos of full shows up on patreon.com forward slash Quantum Leopard, and that's going to have loads of sets that aren't in the podcast as well. Uh, we only charge when new live show videos come out. I'm your host and MC, James Ross, and this is Quantum Leopard. This episode we have wonderful Jordan Gray, and this set was recorded on the 19th of February 2022 by Anurad Oja at uh, to Northdown, and the interview took place on the 6th of September 2022. Um, Jordan is just a joy and a delight, and I think you're going to enjoy her as much as I did. Um, and uh, quick content warnings here for um, genital urinary health, uh, experience of transphobia, experience of homophobia, and Jeff Goldblum. Uh, mm, uh, enjoy. Hello, King's Cross, you lovely bitch. <laughs> nice. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentle thems, ivers, nivers, and all you dirty little something in between us. I feel like I'm slipping into a James Ross impression when I do something like that. <laughs> nice. I've got the hair and I've got the energy, though I doubt I'm as well dressed. I'm not as well dressed as well. Uh, what do you think of my outfit? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks very much. How very diplomatic of you. They say dress for the job you want. I don't really want one. Uh, question number two. What do you think of my hair? Yeah. Thanks. Windy out, innit? This was straight when I left the house. I was straight when I left the house. That's how fucking windy it is out there. Fucking windy. <laughs> I like that joke, because if, if you think about it for more than one second, don't make any sense at all. Still gets a laugh. Perhaps you're thinking, Jordan, that's a lot of hair. That's a balmy barnet. Does the upstairs match the downstairs? Yeah, it does. In the sense that, I'm not particularly pleased with how either of these situations has turned out <laughs> in my life. Because guess what, guys? I'm only bloody transgender, and I? <laughs> what am I like? <laughs> it's bloody hard work. I haven't had a Yorkie bar in five years. <laughs> I do orange ones now. I'm missing out. Um, I would normally be leaping about like an idiot, um, but I'm going to do a Mark Marilyn sit down, right? Because <laughs> um, I've already hurt myself. I'll tell you for why. I'm going to share something very intimate with you. I, was, I went into the hospital on Wednesday evening with a, a shooting pain up, up me Aris, right? And everything Aris adjacent, the whole area was really, it's like I sat on a knife and it was horrible. It was really horrible. And I went in and I was all scared and nervous. And I took a look at everything, right? <laughs> and um, they figured out what it was. I don't believe in the devil, right? <laughs> but if I was the devil, fair play, I would fuck with a transgender woman's prostate as well. <laughs> My pro I shouldn't even have one, and it's buggered, right? Is what I'm saying. It's really, really horrible. I was, there's a bit as well when I'm in there, and I really don't want to go in, and there's this couple, and their favourite subject was how long they'd been there, right? which was about two hours. She's like, you're going to have to wait two hours for a doctor. And I was like, oh, it really hurts. Two minutes later, doctor comes and gets me, right? And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I'm really sorry, but my bum does really hurt, so I'm going to go. And it reminded me of, like, this bit where this person said to me once, 
bloody transgender people getting boob jobs for free on the NHS. It is clogging up the queue for the real medical emergencies. I'm like, mate, if the bloke that's doing the tit jobs is the same bloke that's scheduled to do your brain surgery, get another doctor! <laughs> that ain't the man you want doing that! <laughs> Idiot. There's a policeman mate of mine once, and he said to me, uh, when I transitioned, he said, congratulations, now you will know uh, the age-old, you'll be able to answer the age-old question, which is more painful, getting kicked in the nuts or having a baby? <laughs> I was like, are you sure you're a policeman? <laughs> I can't win. Can't do a baby out of me, buddy. I can't even make a baby with my wife. I take eight milligrams of estrogen every single day. My sperms are all just in there looking up stuff on Pinterest, right? <laughs> I can't have a baby. Be nice though. <laughs> Speaking of uh, science, <laughs> Speaking of science, as a as a transgender woman and a and a comic book fan. I begrudge the amount of lasers that I've had shot at my face with absolutely no side effects whatsoever. <laughs> That's annoying. As a transgender woman and a comic book fan, how come when Mr. Fantastic shapeshifts, everyone loves him? <laughs> when I do it, it just annoys people. As a transgender woman and a comic book fan, I'm a little bit pissed off that the entire world has absolutely no problem with Bruce Wayne self-identifying as a bat. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> it can't even do anything a bat does. It can't. At least I like walk the walk. Batman. Oh, can he fly? Not really. <laughs> it's like paraglides a bat like a dickhead. <laughs> My nan done that in Zanti. 74 years old. It's not that hard, paragliding about. <laughs> Does he only come out at night? Yeah, but could you imagine him coming out in the day? He looked like a right villain. Of course he's out during the night. <laughs> at least I like, I do things a woman does. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I occupy women's only spaces. Like the candle section at TK Maxx. I'm there like, oh, fucking love it. <laughs> Just bite into it. Don't do that though. Don't ever bite into it. It don't taste like the colour that it is ever. Ever at all. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm a good woman. I'm an excellent feminist. I'm taking down the patriarchy one man at a time. I know what I'm doing. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, keep forgetting I'm prostate fucked. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a woman, do womanly things. Like, if it's cold out and I'm going out with my mates, will I take a coat? Will I bollocks? Because I'm a woman now. That is my prerogative. Will I complain about it later? You bet your ass I'll complain about it later. That's what I do. <laughs> Batman, yeah. What a bellend. Batman. Batman's entire shtick, right, is that he dresses up like a bat to scare bad people, right? What Batman has done there is he's made the incredibly spurious assumption that everyone is as scared of bats as he is. 
Bats are bats are barely a Halloween decoration. There's nothing inherently like I wouldn't want one in my face, but that is true of many things, <laughs> like a pineapple or some Lego. I don't want it there. It's not. It, there's nothing inherently scary about a bat. Thing is though, because when Batman was like a little boy man, boy bat boy man, <laughs> bat boy man, right? When he was a little boy, he fell down a well full of. Bats, right? So he's traumatised by bats. Why has nobody told Batman that falling down a well full of bats is not a shared childhood experience? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have loved to have seen him first night on the job and he's just oh, dressed like a bat, paragliding about like my nan, just looking for bad guys. <laughs> oh, I'm a big scary bad man. Oh, I'm fucking a big spooky, spooky bad man. Oh. And he sees a bad guy, he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Stop, I'm Batman. Guy's halfway through, like, breaking into someone's house, and he's like... <laughs> what are you dressed like a bat for? What do you mean? Bats are really, really scary. <laughs> are they? Are you sure you weren't thinking of vampires? <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing. You're using humour to mask your fear. <laughs> no, 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 mate. Bats are the thing that fly out in a Scooby-Doo cartoon. When Scooby and the gang thought something scary was gonna be there, and they open a closet and some bats fly out and they go, phew, it's just some bats. <laughs> Batman's like, where? See what I mean? You're the only one that's scared of bats. Oh, shit. God, I really wish I'd known this before I bat-branded everything I own. I was going to say, what's all this about on your chest? You look like a massive Bacardi breezer. What's all this? What's that about? Oh, bellend. Um... I was the first ever transgender contestant on a show called The Voice. By way of applause, who saw me on The Voice? <laughs> that was an underwhelming response, guys. Tell you what, let's just try that again. With my feelings in mind, all right? Who saw me on The Voice? <laughs> Shut up. Fuck off. Don't patronise me. I've done all right. Uh, I made it all the way to the semi-finals. Ooh. Without a tragic backstory. Thank you very much. Presumably this was tragic enough for the producers over at BBC One as less of a sob story, more of a knob story in my case. I'd done away. Because <laughs> I'd done the voice, what that essentially makes me is an LGBTQIXYZ list celebrity. And because of that, I get asked to do like uh, prides. I play prides. <laughs> lots and lots and lots of prides. One of the big things about prides is that you will bump into a lot of kitsch 90s pop stars yeah, in various states of professional decline, right? <laughs> it sounds really mean. Let me explain. Uh, who remembers the band Five? <laughs> Slam dunk funk. I like Five. And they said, do you want to introduce Five onto stage at Newcastle Pride? And I was like, yeah, I like Five. Oh, brilliant. And I'm like, oh, right. And I ran out and I said to the audience, are you ready for Five? And they went, yeah, we're ready for Five. And I'm like, good, because they're fucking coming, right? Oh, it's Five. And on they came onto the stage, where's Five? There were three of them. <laughs> and one job, guys. <laughs> Be Five people. 
and failed. Uh, I got out of the music industry because uh, it, music changed. And I appreciate the irony of this statement. I don't like it when things change. <laughs> it's, it's, it makes me uncomfortable. I felt music used to mean something. My prostate feels better now. I feel like I've relaxed it with laughter. Um, <laughs> or, or maybe that estrogen is more powerful than I thought it was. It's just gone. gone. Um, music used to mean something. It felt like it meant something. And then I don't know what happened, but it, to me, to my ear, all music, every song on the radio became all about the same thing. How much fun can we possibly have in this moment with zero accountability for any of our actions before the end of the world happens tomorrow. Every so, I'm gonna swing from the chandelier, from the chandelier. I'm gonna stop you there, see ya, reckless. <laughs> Some of those things could be over 200 years old. <laughs> Have a little bit of respect. Gonna live like tomorrow doesn't exist, like it doesn't exist. Good job, it's a fucking bank holiday weekend, then, see ya, ain't it? <laughs> Some of us have got work on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, greatest lyricist of this millennium, without question, Mr. Bruno Mars. Go <laughs> got fans in? You don't seem convinced. Let me remind you of some of Bruno's gems. I bet you want my autograph for you and your friends. We gotta do it in the penthouse. That's where I keep my pen. <laughs> I'm gonna stop you there. I'm gonna stop you there. That man has got three private jets, one bloody pen in the world. He's got one pen. <laughs> I like to think it's one of those four color pens that we all had in school. <laughs> He's not an idiot, it's four color pen. Black, blue, red, and green. What was the green one for? I've asked that question up and down this nation. No one's ever given me a satisfying answer. What was the, you little boffin. <laughs> dicks, dicks. Hands up if you spent your entire lesson trying to push all four colors down at the same time. I'm gonna ask you a follow-up question. What's the best we thought was gonna happen in that situation? I'll tell you what happens, if you time it just right, a little purple one comes out. <laughs> oh, little secret purple one. I didn't want you to know about. Oh, who remembers that song? It's murder on the dance floor. So you better not steal the groove, DJ. We're gonna burn this goddamn house right down. Essentially, there's been a homicide in the dance floor area. <laughs> and Sophie Ellis Bexter's unsolicited piece of advice is to burn the entire place to the ground, along with all the evidence. Call me a skeptic, I reckon she'd done that murder. <laughs> it's my best Dave Chappelle there. <laughs> Man, I'm, uh, I'm married. Yeah. Do this my James Ross impression, we've got so much in common. <laughs> married. Um, I love my wife very much, she is Czech. I think, <laughs> oh no, mate. She might be Russian. She might be Chinese. We've been married a while. It would be awkward to ask. I love her so, so much. She's brilliant. Um, thing about becoming a woman and then marrying a woman is it's very difficult to tell when you're being discriminated against in public. Someone drove past us. We're holding hands on South End Seafront the other day and he yells out of his car, lesbians! And I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've plucked the tears, that's nice. 
That's really nice. Uh, but yeah, we can't have like babies and that. That's probably all right. She wants to adopt, and she wants to adopt an orphan. And I'm like, we could do that. That'd be nice. But in the back of my mind, and this I'm being serious, what if it turns out to be Batman? Right? I don't. I don't need that in my life. I don't want that. <laughs> the biggest misconception about transgender people that annoys me, the one that upsets me the most, is the phrase "sex change." And I shall tell you for why. It's because it can't be done. Right? You can't change your sex. Sex is genetic information. Right? I wasn't bitten by a radioactive woman. All right? <laughs> it's genetic. I wasn't working late in my laboratory one evening, <laughs> tripped over a cable and fell into a vat of gender fluid. All right? <laughs> it's genetic. <laughs> can't change your sex. I'm not one of the dinosaurs out of the film Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> Life didn't find a way. <laughs> Nobody flew Jeff Goldblum in on a helicopter to consider, talk to my doctors and physicians. Uh -huh. Uh, see, the thing is, <laughs> yeah. the thing is, uh, see, the thing is, uh, you're, uh, you're, 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 you're sci your scientists, uh, your scientists, uh, they, they, they are so busy trying to turn penises uh, uh, into vaginas. <laughs> uh, 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 yes, yes, they were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Oh, I'm sorry, is that like the ninth Jeff Goldblum impression you've heard this evening? That weren't bad! My James Ross impression's getting better and better. Look at that. Uh, that's all I do when I'm on my own, is I walk around my house pretending like I'm Jeff Goldblum and putting him in films that he was never in. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like Star Wars. I uh, uh, see, uh, Luke, Luke, my man, Luke, my buddy, Luke. There, there's this thing I, I gotta tell you, Luke. See, the thing is, the thing is, <laughs> I'm your father. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, thanks for having me. I've had a right nice time. Please remember to keep an open mind, whether or not it be about your politics, about your romance, about your sexuality, because as we all know, opinions are like assholes. <laughs> Worth exploring. I've been Jordan Gray. Bye. <laughs>
Yeah, no, it's really nice. I mean, um, I know what you're saying. I, I think some people are a little bit sceptical about like the whole safe space thing. I mean, like I, I quite deliberately don't say that quantum leopard is a safe space because it, I know that is a term that I feel has quite a specific meaning. Whereas, like, I'm very happy for people to talk about stuff that is quite dark, quite personal, provided they like treat the material with respect. So, like, we've had some really, really excellent sets about very, very sort of challenging topics that you wouldn't have in a gig that was a quote unquite safe space. Um, yeah. Well, so, so I'm, I'm, I say that from a place of of ignorance and knowing that as well. So I, it's it's just the term that I would have heard about the gig before mm-hmm. coming to the show um but also like uh i i, I yeah i know that you, 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 the first time we chat i remember me saying something is it right for me to talk about willies and you're like well of course it's all right <laughs> and that's an ignorance on my part and i love i love learning i love i liked being knocked down a peg basically i was i i did i was coming from a place of ignorance and i'm only still i'm still learning but i now know it to be uh one of the nicest places you can do a gig so it's yeah, yeah it's wonderful it is it's really lovely to hear that because I, I try really hard to make it like a, a lovely thing for acts and punters um and it's always um really gratifying uh to, to hear that because um it's a lot, a lot of hard work goes into making something look this effortless you know what i mean um <laughs> yeah but that's great because i'm like also like you're, you're very much the sort of act that like um i feel that you've kind of like grown with us because you started off um doing like um fives uh, with us um ages ago and then won the competition and then audience loved you and so got you back and uh so we've you know had you in a couple of times from that uh, and now um you know as of this recording you've just been nominated for the big award in edinburgh on the back of like i i don't know I, i'm gonna say the best show i saw um i did and i oh, saw 73 you. shows uh which is a lot of shows um I, I feel a little bit bad saying that because i saw lots of shows of people that i know but yours was absolutely fucking amazing um and Thank uh you so was, much. yeah absolutely the one that i was like recommending to everyone it was like i just absolutely superb it's um, a joy to have you there and even as we're just speaking as a a knock-on effect of what we're talking about i still came up to you afterwards and said i hope everything like <laughs> everything was all right <laughs> i hope i didn't say anything that was like too off because there's a couple of moments in it that are del- they're not um nothing actually is deliberately there to upset people quite the opposite i, I, yeah, I want yeah. everyone to feel like they no one's preached to but also nobody is tripped up or anything yeah but at the same time there's some stuff that m- makes people question their beliefs about stuff and sometimes if you're a bit tired and you're watching the show just the buzz phrases that come out make people's neck hair on their neck go up is that mm. expression? <laughs> um so so even then i was like oh god i hope there's nothing that needs to re- i need to reevaluate but you were very gracious and very sweet about about oh, all of it superb show i mean i think people have got like very broad latitude to talk about their own experiences right because right, right. I mean, that, that's kind of my rule, right? Like, you know, if this is a thing that affects you, then yes, you can talk about it. Like, and you like have a pretty much absolute right to do so. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, that's definitely a thing. Um, is oh, that, well, just to, to interrupt, I'm so sorry. My producer, he uh, he was very fond of your laugh. You have a very distinctive <laughs> laugh. And, and he co- he was he was copying the laugh at future gigs. He was like doing your laugh at me from the sound desk. And it was like, because you have like a, your laugh is very affirming. I think you even throw in a few yes when you laugh. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. I can't do your laugh. But he was doing it very, very well. Um, I do I do a fair amount of cheering. I, I always try and be like the audience member that I would want in the crowd. Um, you are, yes. But- Yes. I, I also just like it's just really nice to um be in the audience for like a really excellent show where i know i can just unhook my brain a little bit and be like i'm just i'm, I'm gonna stop thinking critically about comedy and just enjoy some comedy that i know is going to be really good oh um, that's nice to is, hear that's yeah. really good yeah um i think you made that very easy um i 
it was it was really interesting what you were saying a moment ago about um you know um the sort of the, the idea of there being sort of content restrictions uh, or there being an ethos like wanting to make you a better comedian because like i've i've often found that whenever i've been picked up on something or i've i've felt that um uh like a particular joke or a line or an idea hasn't gone down super well at quantum leopard for reasons of like content policy or like you know the taste of the audience or whatever like yeah. i've always found that going back to the material and re-examining it and like making another draft of it is is a really good way of um improving it i i i find that like you know often people aren't laughing at it because it's like okay well that's the easy answer or that's a slightly lazy answer um yeah. and i think that's that's something that I've definitely felt like having being able to work within these limits is actually quite helpful and quite conducive and it makes you work harder and makes you edit. Um, I, it, it sounds like that's something that I mean, I, I can see you nodding on the, on the Skype here. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you identify with or reframing the idea as this isn't a compromise, but an invitation to reassess something you had never questioned. So yeah, a, a silly phrase, an easy joke, might be something you'd leave in a set because you never think you'd need to do anything about it. The need to, or, or, or the the desire to want to keep it within the confines of, um, even even to use the word confines, it's not not quite the right word. Just an invitation mm. to re- reassess something that you would never think about is a wonderful gift for a comedian because then you are forced to improve rather than compromise. I never think of it as a compromise now. I think what would get the most people, what would make the most people happy now yeah and that that's a that's a dangerous game to play because then you end up with the broadest possible sitcom and there's nothing in it that you've yeah. got to draw your line at what you still think is funny but if you think it's funny and the most possible people think it's funny then then that's a winner yeah yeah you, you, I, yeah that's I think that's really a really good way of thinking about it you like you've got your your vision as an artist and like obviously stuff should be very funny to you because you're the one who's thinking of it and then there's this mass audience so like where is the sort of the bite point where's the sweet spot between yeah. what you and think finding is funny out what, yeah what finding out that, that that you are part of a bigger and bigger and bigger crowd of people that all find this thing funny is a wonderful treat as well. Suddenly you've yeah. opened yourself up to a load more people that you can hang out with and identify with. <laughs> yeah. Just seems super lovely. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm kind of building on that a little bit and talking about like the set itself here. So um, like you do a really nice job of addressing like, um, you know, in terms of building a rapport with an audience, you address uh, what the audience can see of you like straight away, straight away, a bit about your hair. So it's like physical appearance, which is a very sort of classic way of entering a set. You kind of address yeah. the point of differentiation between you and the audience look at wonderful hair blah 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 um and then that segues quite neatly into identifying yourself as trans um and so i mean how important do you think it is to address things about yourself early on to build that sort of bridge with an audience i think the physical things it's almost a given unless you've established yourself like right so if you had i I use the analogy a lot it's a non-existent analogy but if you had a nose in the middle of your forehead yeah and you didn't mention it people yeah. would be very forgiving for a, a little bit but they're, they're thinking the whole time please just say it so we can <laughs> enjoy the rest of the set yeah because yeah, we, yeah. you're doing a great job but we need to know how, how what you think about the nose in the middle of your forehead before we can relax i think is yeah. the point so being transgender more less so the the social implications and more just just to for people that maybe aren't quite sure, or yeah. oh, we're, we're, we're such a wonderful gender spectrum, I could be a, I could be a non-binary person, I could be a feminine, pre- I could be a masculine presenting cisgender woman. I'm quite a tomboy anyway a lot of the time. So just so they know where what my perspective is, because then some of those jokes, as you mentioned, if I've got ownership of it, they need to know what I've got ownership of before they can relax. <laughs> so yeah, I need to say who who I am really. I think yeah. it's important, but um, but 
Tim Renkow taught me a lot in that respect of he doesn't bring up his cerebral palsy for sometimes 15 20 minutes of a of a show yeah um, and and that's wonderful because then he then he lands on the gold that he's been working on for 10 years that the, the yeah. cerebral palsy stuff that he's probably would have started with and then pulled back on yeah um, yeah 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 absolutely I mean I I definitely I definitely appreciate the fact that there are there's a tension for performers um, to talk about like, okay, on the one hand, I've got to acknowledge that I'm mem- a member of this marginalized group, but also they want to be like free as independent artists and creators who don't want to be like shackled to that because that's not all of who they are. Yeah. Um, and I can only understand that in a sort of very dilute way. It's like, you know, cause I sound like this, right? So whenever I played in a town that isn't a pretty middle-class audience, I have to address this. Otherwise it's just like, well, he, th- <laughs> he thinks he's better than us, right? Now that's that's obviously very different um, from being like gender non-conforming or having cerebral palsy, but like on a similar basis, I think it's, it's a similar sort of essential comic principle of you've got to address the points of differentiation between you and the audience um, in order to kind of like build on that and move forward. And having uh, a disparity between your voice and the way you look is a gift as well in for mm. so many comedians. Because, well, playing with expectation and popping the bubbles of people's tension is a, is a fun thing to be able to do. I love that, for whatever reason, my Essex accent really comes out when I'm on the stage. <laughs> as a camera. I, I have yeah. such little control of it, but I love that because it's, uh, it, it's like that the whole thing of there's something funny about becoming a, a woman, but then being such a ladette and a tomboy that it almost makes the whole process seem pointless (laughs) i think that's really funny and i don't get control over that so i like that i'm a proper essex ladette but i'm I'm celebrating femininity and i very much am am at that end of the spectrum as well like i have so many wonderful gender non-conforming and non-binary friends but my i'm sort of got my flag in the sand of like that yeah that's i mean that's a good metaphor because it is shifting all the time but like yeah i'm a, a woman i've worked hard to be a woman but also, I'm sorry that I still I still behave like this. Sorry for my <laughs> like under the influence of testosterone. I learned all these terrible behaviours, and I, some of them will still come out. I still tip my cap to people, which is not a gendered a gendered trait, but it does make you it does put you in the vibe of like a sort of a cowboy or a gentleman tipping their hat. It's not like a thing you think of a lady to do because of a time when tipping your hat was popular. Ladies didn't yeah. really wear hats very often. Like in that I, time. I, I suppose you might you might touch the brim of your bonnet, I suppose. But uh... <laughs> that is a euphemism that I will be using for sure. The brim of your bonnet is a wonderful bit of language. The night is yet young. Um, I mean, so, I mean, like, is there is there um, is there like a like a? I mean, do you find that you you adjust your accent consciously at all, or? Is that is it a purely unconscious thing, and just when you're performing? It's purely unconscious, and when the cameras are on, I think maybe there's a certain performative element. If I know that I'm supposed to be funny on a panel, yeah. then I will lean into it a tiny bit. Um, but it, I love that it it happens naturally. And if we're talking now, and I suddenly go into it, it's either because I would have thought of something new that's that I think is very funny, yeah. or or I am hashing out old material, and I want you to know that I'm not trying to sneak material at you. <laughs> I'm doing it really obviously. Like this is some material. James, don't don't think I'm trying to. Have you ever had a like you'd be at the Edinburgh Fringe? It's very common where you're having a conversation with a comedian, and 20 minutes in, you realise you haven't spoken for a while because they're just doing some they're workshopping some stuff. Like you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, all the time, particularly because I'm usually swanning around with my like industry lanyard on, and so I'm being pretty much constantly pitched to, which is yeah. that's that's fine. I'm there to be sucked up to, right? That's the whole purpose of that holiday for me, you know. Um, <laughs> do, do, I mean, do you feel like more kind of comedically relaxed when you are in a more regional accent? And is that is that is there a class element to that or is that um, 
you know, that you're dropping a like, or is it kind of relating more to your sort of background from a regional point of view? I suppose. I think you've hit the nail, two nails on two heads. Uh, wow, which is a real trick because that's not how hammers work at all. I've got, I've got one fucking massive hammer, Jordan. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the nails are quite close together. Yeah, um, the uh, the, it, the class thing is a huge thing of it for me. I've, I'm having this wonderful success at the moment that is a waking dream, but I will always be a working class person and that mentality is a mentality that however much i will be nouveau riche as they call it i'm never going to be <laughs> middle class or upper class i will be nouveau riche and that, then that money's going to go and i'm going to be back to where i am and, and that that's fine by me because the engine that drives me to do well is is a class engine i want to yeah. prove something to people that's just coming from i grew up in tilbury town uh, in essex and it's like a, it's a commuter town there's you don't do anything there apart from sleep and then go work in london or you work on the docks or whatever like I didn't do those, <laughs> but I was surrounded by people that did. Um, and the the regional thing, I don't really make many jokes about being in Essex because I, I sort of I learned a, a hard lesson once. I was I was interviewed for this wonderful thing called Essex Girls, and it was a a, retro, a, a deconstruction of the Essex Girl stereotype by this fantastic photographer. And they interviewed me and were talking about what it means to be an Essex girl. And then that night, I went on stage and did a silly Essex girl joke that I would normally do. And suddenly, I got a little pang in my heart of like. Oh, shit. Like, what's, what am I doing? Like, yeah. it's an easy joke, but I've just spent a day deconstructing it with someone. And it's I don't think it propagates a stereotype in a way that the people I was performing to, it would have been damaging or, or hurt anybody. But I've taken, I don't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So and I know you did a lot of stuff with um, the Best in Class Showcase and uh, yeah. Sean Davies, who's uh, bloody great. Another Quantum Leopard uh, competition winning uh, uh, alum. Um, yeah. So um, how much how much have you done with Sean? Uh, is that like a proper like route into you or is that just a, well, a thing that you have done as well? Yeah, I, I, I did a couple of their showcases leading up to a fringe that I was then unable to attend as part of Best in Class. But they were uh, they it's it's this wonderful collective I, I i know you must have spoken about this or will speak about this on another podcast but they um they just look after working class comedians it's a collective that uh that tries to cover as much of the costs as possible and put that message out there they were nominated and won the panel prize oh, yeah, panel yeah. prize a total surprise to me i didn't know there was such a thing as the panel prize they won it and and a lovely Tom Mayhew was given a name check. He's a big part of it. He's the he's the young gentleman that got me into comedy in the first place. I, oh I did well, the, really? I owe everything to Tom Mayhew. He told me uh, I I I just finished the Voice and decided I didn't want to be a singer anymore. It was a great experience. I just didn't want to do it. And I said I I fancy comedy. And I saw a video of him doing the Gong Show that he won with his low energy set, which was really amazing to me. Yeah, and yeah. And he reached out, and it was just by coincidence. I saw that, and then he reached out and said, "I've just seen you'd like to do some comedy. I'm I'm a comedian. I could introduce you to some people." He he introduced me. He got he gave me my first gig at his. He did a showcase at the Bill Murray Pub, and it was called Queerest Jokes, I believe. I don't. Th yeah, I think that's right. And uh, it was my first ever show. It was great. And then he, his partner produced my first ever short that was spotted by Comedy Central that got me Transaction, the show, which has now been developed for TV with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, everything, wow. all down to Tom Mayhew. And I think I've tried to catch... I, I, first Edinburgh Fringe I went to, I saw his show seven times because I wanted to see how a show develops, you know. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And we just became firm friends and I, I 
he's my little millhouse. I call him my little, <laughs> my little I always say oh. he reminds me of like Mark Zuckerberg in an alternate reality where Facebook didn't do very well. <laughs> he, he enjoys that. He enjoys that. That's not me poking fun. It is, but he likes it. Like the the prostate story feels like a, a <laughs> fairly sincere recent anecdote that you've kind of worked into what feels like quite well developed material um, about your kind of life experience. So I'm just wondering, like, how much do you plan a set? um in advance because you have a very sort of loose conversational style right like you've got the 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 way you look on stage is very loose it's very fluid um the stories kind of flow into each other and you don't have any sort of jarring points right your your transitions are very smooth no pun intended right it works really <laughs> so that's like i would have intended that pun and it would i would take credit <laughs> for that pun. that's a really good one actually I'd, just 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 bookmarking that i'm just i'm highlighting that it's not a pun so that you realize that it is yeah, a pun right brilliant. it's a very sort of um, it's uh yeah it's dialectical materialism as applied to uh <laughs> to interview questions yeah. um yeah so like i mean to, to what extent do you plan to what extent uh, how much do you mix tightly scripted bits with looser more conversational stories like what's your plan when you're deciding what to do for a set i think a a strong rule that i've set myself is i try not to i, I try for the first 30 seconds for it to be fully in the room chat it's not always possible yeah. but um especially something that recently literally did just happen to me i don't my, the prostate stuff for example it was for then and maybe a gig after and maybe one gig before because it was just was happening in real time that, that i'm glad that's cleared up yeah that is <laughs> thank that's you good news yes <laughs> uh it's it was a uh, harrowing and you talk about that stuff especially when it is prevalent to prevalent pre, pre, when it when it makes sense relevant relevant yeah and prevalent it was it was definitely down there it was <laughs> um to the conversation i mean there's something again there's something very very funny about the circumstances you go through that with the added lecture it's not exactly irony for a person with a, a prostate to have problems with their prostate but when you it's just something that it's not fair that you have to deal with that on top of all the social pressures that you get from being a transgender woman. And then the, the yeah. biological certainties of having that equipment. It's funny to me. Um, yeah. I, I like, I, I jump around a lot um, mm. physically and, and story-wise because it's a really easy way to stay present in the room. If you're literally balancing on one leg, yeah. you can't, you can't forget what you're doing and, and go into yes just people need if people feel like they could just be watching it on tv then i think it's pointless like it's it yeah, can't be yeah, it can yeah. be polished but you can still need to be present in the room so balancing or uh or, or trying to maintain eye contact with a bunch of different people and then see engage their opinions keeps me excited about it and yeah. that's a real i think yeah 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 i think you do a really good job of that because like you you really kind of command the space this is something that is not going to be as obvious to people who are just listening to the audio of this but for anyone who's got access to the patreon where we do the full videos of the shows go and check that out uh rate start at one pound per show and we only charge when a new live show video comes up nudge nudge wink wink yeah. patreon.com forward slash quantum leopard um but one thing that's i think really obvious there is that you are like you're bouncing around you're stretching you're leaning on stuff um, um, yeah, you know, yeah. even when you're like sat down in a chair because you've got prostate bother, <laughs> like it's it, it, you're like a spider, like you're spread all out and gangling. Right. Thank and this you. is it's, I, I think it's really, really interesting to watch because it's it's so um, opposite to the sort of the, the conventional wisdom, which is, um, you know, be tight and contained and controlled because moving around makes you look nervous as a performer and uncontrolled and i think the way that you square that circle at least it seems like that uh to me from the outside yeah. is that you make sure that all of the movements that you're doing are like very deliberate and very on purpose yeah, so that yeah. you know because it's intentional it doesn't look unconfident it looks 
purposeful and decisive um and uh yeah and i think you do a really good job of like breaking out from just being like i am a talking head on a stick talking into another talking head on a stick that's the microphone which i think <laughs> is really really nice thank you so the uh the the extended kind of batman sequence um i really like this bit so this is a, this is a bit of a change of pace here um because it, it ties into some of the stuff that you're doing about trans identity earlier but it's also very much like its own bit and i know that this kind of becomes a sort of a, a grand unifying theme for um the you know the is it a bird show um the hour which has uh, just been critically acclaimed etc etc so um but the, the batman sequence that we've got here so this is a, a really classic like finding the underlying underlying logic of an idea yeah. hammering it out pushing it to its absurd conclusion so just in terms of like how you develop that bit so did it go through a lot of edits did it arrive in its final form are we seeing this bit on the beginning of its journey to becoming something much larger as part of the hour how did how did that progression look you're seeing there what's so cool about this is i there's a space that i use where i'm i'm local to me in south end uh, a little smash comedy is uh, where i try a lot of new stuff this would be the first time that i tried something that i thought was a bit too complicated for a normal club set at any other mm. venue and it was so nice because i i was sort of starting to feel like it was drifting away and i'd forgotten why it was funny so then to perform it to the quantum leopard crowd and for it to be so well received i thought oh no of course it's got legs i need i just needed to be, <laughs> feel good about it again so the whole edinburgh show the whole theme of my superhero theme show might not have existed if it weren't for this peak this uptick of approval for the that i got there honestly that's that's a it's a really special moment for me that i got to do that because it is it's the only the only underpinning logic of it is that Batman's entire identity is based on a lie because <laughs> he yeah. he thinks bats are scary that aren't and they're not like really like yeah um and all the extra fluff it was it was starting to feel like fluff to me I was like why is that? I don't get why these extra bits are funny and then to hear it received so well I meant oh, okay I'm gonna add more and more and more and more and then that's yeah it's not like I, I do an hour of it at Fringe but it's certainly the underpinning joke of the of the thing of the of the show. It feels like it's the central conceit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you build out from that, I yeah. think, which is, uh, yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, that brings me to a question I, I was going to ask later, but I'm going to ask it now because it makes more sense to ask it now. So, I mean, like, how does the version of Jordan Gray that you play on stage, how does that differ from real life Jordan Gray? I cannot stand, I can't handle conflict in the slightest. I have no muscle for conflict um, or, or even making anyone feel slightly uncomfortable. But what's so wonderful in that, at least this show the, the culture of the yeah. show that i've created is that i can i can um elicit uh th- i can propose a threesome to a, a couple and they know that it's performative <laughs> and they'll they'll play along yeah. no one's ever felt upset by that everyone's it's always fun and feel like they're involved maybe it's my accent makes sort of any sexual content seems a bit more subdued because it's it's not a surprise that i'd be talking about dirty stuff in this dirty accent <laughs> um and uh pick it it, 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 it I never even think that I'm picking on people. I just think I'm 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 volunteering them to have some fun with me, and then that, that so long as I think of it like that, they do have fun. But I, I yeah. would never do that in real life. I'd never say to anyone, "Get up and have let's get up and have a dance," or you know, I I just wouldn't ever want to upset anybody. So I do that. My accent is a bit stronger, uh, and I. I'm a, I'm aware in real life that Batman is a fictional person, <laughs> whereas in my show I'm quite angry at him for yeah for his idiocy. Have you have you always been sort of quite conflict averse? Yeah, I'm terrified yeah. of it. I don't like the idea that there's a person walking around that doesn't like me somewhere as well. I've, I've got that, oh. um, and I'm not sure where that comes from because I've, I'm a child of divorce and I've got one of a really su- mm. both supportive but a withholding father who like and an overly uh, supportive mum in that sense. They're both super supportive, but I just told my 
mum some great news and she treated it like I'd gone to the moon and I told my dad and he just told me to hold back half my money for taxes (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't why I called you I told you because it's really good news uh so um, but point is it creates a loop of you you keep chasing approval because none of it feels real because some of it's it's over gauged and under gauged um yeah so i can understand why i like i want attention or approval why i want approval i don't understand why i can't handle the idea of someone not liking me out there i don't know where that comes from in childhood or whatever i mean is it not a is it not a similar thing to seeking approval that's the flip side of it is that you are not just seeking approval but you are seeking to avoid disapproval is it not two sides of the same coin yeah i suppose so like it's just a real fear i think about i wake up and i've got a hundred things to do now um and I, i'm doing too much and yet those things still are at the top of the list of i really hope i didn't upset that person five years ago when i, like, when I said that dumb thing that's it really sticks with me and so to think you could ever go on a stage and make a joke about someone um I guess it's about gauging it. I had, I've had some, for example, uh, a, a quite a large number, proportion, a disproportionate number of um, wheelchair users in my show, just because I have friends that came to visit on the same nights that were wheelchair users, and I have a bit about how my life is. So I did the voice uh, six, seven years ago, and now you're here, and my whole life is just me trying to impress people in fancy mechanical chairs, and they love it because they're involved. Because it means they're involved, and yeah. it's deliberately for them because ignoring someone's it's like underwriting someone's life experience be like no we're not going to talk about that what's their life um but gauging that it's been so interesting like so far i've not put a foot wrong i love gauging things that are right on the line that will make somebody happy um yeah i had ian, ian mckellen in to the see the show um i know i saw that that was uh, uh, uh yeah but i i teased him a lot and i was like i he just because he's famous <laughs> doesn't mean he should be disproportionately teased so i, I was trying to gauge it right and because he's magneto what i kept doing was picking up the mic stands and, and moving them towards him and going Ian, towards him. Ian, mate, <laughs> come on. and he was rolling he was loving it so much but then i got him to knight me as a as an x-man and it's like i've got basically got this guy who's bless him he's in the 70s he's just in a whole gig he's really tired and i've got him yeah. to stand up and get involved in a show that he probably would have just preferred to sit and enjoy but he committed so hard to it i've got to say it was like seeing magneto come to life <laughs> so um your experience um on the seafront um getting shouted out in uh south end yeah. so that that sounds to me like a like a real event yeah. I, and yeah. yeah um so I thought it was it was a really interesting insight. I thought so that sounded to me like a bit of sort of um, like gender affirming homophobia. Um, That's such a great phrase, a uh, terrible yeah. thing, but a great phrase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, I mean, how much of that sort of stuff is like affirming, and how much of it is like just tiresome? It, you're right, tired. Yes, that's a good word for it. It's exhausting. Uh, I'm more offended by laziness than I am by like cons- uh, conspired like sort of surgical insults because yeah that's something that can't like that's that person's uh conf- brain configuration that's not my business the chemical makeup that makes up somebody's brain that would that would make them so afeard of of my experience that's something for a yeah. different day but a lazy jibe is really it does really hurt because like, oh we're supposed to be in the same boat we're the same person but you you've really under i don't know that that i always say of these big comedians the lazy stuff offends me more than the the crafted material um mm. so yeah something like that is so flippant it just reminds you that you're on a different tier than other people like in their mind um and it's just feel bad for my wife bless her like because 
for her, that's just homophobia. <laughs> that's not yeah. gender <laughs> at all. Yeah, I, you're, you're absolutely right. There are two people in that anecdote. You're one of them. <laughs> your wife is the other. And you're absolutely right. There is, there's no, there's no glass half full for her at no. all. There is there. No, I um, got, her, I got half of her glass. My glass was full by the end. I was happy with that. <laughs> but her glass is empty. And and the yeah, good thing about yeah. marriage is you can share one glass. <laughs> I think we've overextended the metaphor now. So you've now got. <laughs> Two, yeah, I suppose it is two glasses, two glasses between them that are both half full. Yeah, so that's it's a glass of water good. between you. Uh, Great. Yeah, and we are married and we don't entertain very often. So we literally only have two glasses in our cupboard. So that sounds, that's about <laughs> right. I don't know, I don't know what you're like. I'm sure you've got a, a menagerie of, of uh, what do you Menagerie call? of glasses. Yeah. Every single one of our glasses is in fact a living animal. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, so you, you are literally correct there. Uh, I know you're plucking a word out of the ether. Yeah. Uh, but we actually we have a a glass zoo, um, which is uh, it's wonderful. Wait, um, how, so... wait, hang on. Is, wait, what? Wait, what is that true? What do you have animal themed stuff in your ha- like glasses? No, no, I, I, it's not true. I've just said it in this <laughs> accent, so it's very believable. Um, I've got I, I, in many ways like talking with this accent is like being the reverse Cassandra, right? I'm cursed to always be believed, yeah. irrespective of what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that's uh, that's the uh, yeah I mean that that's the real oppression of the British class system really isn't it so, uh, <laughs> so there we go uh, cool right um it has been a pleasure and a delight to speak to you Jordan um uh, I've uh, such a wonderful set and uh, lovely lovely chat um if people want to catch up with uh, you on the internet and catch up with your things um then where should they look you up oh if you want to follow me or, or just dip in and see what I'm up to it's at tall dark friend across instagram twitter and facebook uh and you you could youtube the old transaction series that's up there by now i suspect my appearance on channel four in october will have appeared my live performance there there'll be loads by now by the time this is out ah just type in jordan gray what's she up to ask jeeves what i'm up to and i'm sure (laughs) all sorts will come up Jeeves will know. Jeeves is, uh, Jeeves. yeah, he's, he's got he's got his finger on the pulse. I trust him okay, as well because of his accent. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um... <laughs> okay, love yourself. Um, thanks so much for that, Jordan. Um, we'll uh, pop uh, links to all of those things um, in uh, the description. Um, thanks once again for joining us, and we'll see you soon. See you soon. Thank you so much. Oi, Quantum Leopard for the win. <laughs> <laughs> love yourself. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. was the quantum leopard podcast uh, if you want to catch a live show in london look us up at uh, linktree uh, forward slash quantum leopard to sign up to the mailing list uh, we will never take advertising because advertising is cultural poison but from each according to their ability to each according to their need so if you enjoyed our guests in your ears but would like them in your eyes as well uh, we have uh, videos of whole shows up on patreon.com forward slash quantum leopard we only charge when a new live show video comes out if you enjoyed the show why not give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and or share this episode on the socials editing was by uh, Reese Lawton who is uh, conventionally attractive and fun at parties uh, music was composed and produced by Rooks Production Services at, at I Am Rooks on the socials that's Rooks with an E uh, the Quantum Leopard podcast is distributed and licensed under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license which means you can share it as much as you like but don't uh, change it or sell it in any way because I will find out where you live uh, kind love and see you soon bye which means I didn't get the attention I wanted, so I went on social media <laughs> and said, look what I did. Look, and it, it made it into the review that I busted my lip.
because of just nice. having such a good time. 